Welcome to Momentum Church. How many this week, the storms hit your homes? Anybody in here? Yeah, yeah, my word. And um, the only blessing that came out of this week's storms hitting everything was the fact that my daughter and son-in-law, they live up in Waleska area, and um, they had to spend the last three nights at our house. And, And if you know it, we got a new grandbaby. And so being Paul the last three days has been awesome. And I got to redeem something. This was so good because like three or four weeks ago, I'm holding little Shep and he's smiling and I go, and he goes, and his eyes get this big with shock. Then he screams. And from then on for three or four weeks now, anytime I look at him, his eyes will light on me. That's that guy. And then he screams. I'm saying every time, not just holding him. He could be here in the foyer, and I'll, there's a chef, and his eyes go, and then he screams. So yesterday, I got to feed him a bottle in the morning, and he was smiling, and he kept smiling, and he didn't stop smiling, and I got rid of him before he screamed. And then today, I got this morning to spend time with him. So that was, that, that was some good thing that came out of the storm, is that my, I finally got the love of my grandson. So... Ah, all right. I want to get into the word this morning here in the pit. And um, I, I didn't come here this morning to entertain you, okay? I, I do enjoy being entertaining. Uh, how many enjoy to have a sermon that is fun, right? Like, it needs to be truth-filled, but it should be, I mean, I should be, at least when I try to bring it, I try to, my pastor always said, get people laughing and smack them with the truth. Ha, 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 truth. Ha, 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 truth, you know. And so I enjoy coming and being somewhat fun, but I didn't come here this morning to entertain you. I really feel like God has a mandate in my heart for this house. I came this morning to speak to the heart of God and that, that heart of God that we embrace and, and what he thinks is important, what he values. And as we embrace his heart, it welcomes his anointing. Amen? How many know what the anointing of God is? It's the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. That's a good thing. Amen. When the anointing of God comes, that touch, it comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, where you get the idea of Messiah. It means to be smeared upon. So it's like God anoints. He smeared. I want God to smear everything he wants to smear upon Momentum Church. Amen. Just God, just just whatever you want, you know? And so that's what my passion is today, is to be able to bring a, a, a word to us that I believe aligns us to the heart of God, that welcomes his anointing upon our lives and upon our, our church. I, I believe the word I'm bringing this morning, it's a plea from God to embrace from this house, like us as a church body, to embrace something, if we embrace this, it's going to welcome the touch of God on this house. And it's going to welcome increase. Everybody say increase. Now, I'll be honest. I, I, I wanted this sermon today because it's a one-off. We just finished a series. We're starting a new series here in a couple of weeks. You don't want to miss August. In August, we're doing a series called If I'm Being Honest. We've all said that before. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. But the next couple of weeks are just one-offs. And I wanted to preach you all happy today. You know, we, I, like we just come off this nine-week series talking about the mandate of the church, what God wants us to be. And so I just wanted to come in and preach on the favor of the Lord. How many like the favor of the Lord? 
Me too. I just want to preach on increasing. And God's got something for you. And get it, get it, get it, right? I just, I just want to do that. That's always fun preaching, right, Pastor Brian? Like, but the Lord just would not let up on my heart this week that he wants us to have increase, okay? But more so, he wants us to be in his flow. He, he wants us to be after his heart in such a way that that increase isn't just an increase upon us, it's an increase, everybody say, through us. Through us. And God wants to bring an increase in the area of soul saved, amen? God wants to bring an increase in this house of increased spiritual depth. God wants to bring an increase in this house, yes, of his favor on our lives and in our lives, but also through our lives. And so we want to see God's increase, but there's responsibility that comes with increase. I mean, I understand the idea of salvation comes by grace alone, amen? Amen. But I'll be honest, there's a lot of scripture that talks about if you sow, you will reap. So in other words, there are some things when we partner with the heart of God and we pour in. Oh, no, it's a money sermon. It's not. It's not. It's okay. It's not. But we start to pour into the heart of God and what he values is important. Next thing you know, he starts to pour his increase into a body, into a group of believers. And oh, I want that so bad. And we are actually seeing a season of increase here at the church, even right now. I don't know if y'all realize this. This summer has been the most guests that we've ever had in a June and July since we've been in this building. I mean, it's just been staggering the number of guests. And the thing about that is most of the guests have been families. Families. Amy and I, we had a little party a couple nights ago, a couple weeks ago, or last week, um, inviting the guests that have been new the last couple months, month and a half, and we had to send out 26 video invites, 26 households in like a month and a half, and all but maybe three of them had children. Man, everybody shout, the harvest is coming. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's here. So we've been seeing a, a, a move of growth this year. And more guests than any other summer. And the thing with it is, it reminded me a lot of our church in Ohio that we pastored at for so long. And, and our church in Ohio was about 250 people when we started there, around about 1,000 when we left on Sunday mornings. And, and the sweet spot of that church was around four to 600 people, you know, just a little bit bigger than we are now. That was a sweet spot. And the church grew so much in a town of 50,000 people. Amy and I used to joke, we had to go out of town to go on dates. Because it was such a small town, we'd be at that fancy restaurant in town, fanciest restaurant, Olive Garden. <laughs> That's all we had, man. And so we'd be at that restaurant, and we had people walk in and like, oh, Pastor Ross, Amy. And the next thing you know, the next thing you know it's a double date. I remember being at the movies one time, and a couple people showed up, and next thing you know, I got people around us. And I'm like, y'all, I was going to neck. <laughs> Can't neck with my girl with church folk watching. Close your eyes. No. <laughs> but it was growing. It was so powerful. But here's what happened. As it grew, the bigger it got, the less a heart to serve manifested. The, the bigger it got... It was like, bless me, bless me, touch me, touch me, fill me, fill me, give me, give me. And by the time we were a thousand people, it just lost something. And it lost something that took a long time to ever gain back up there, you know? 
And, and so when we moved here to plant this church, I had a heart. I was like, Lord, I don't want to plant a church where it's all just give me, give me, bless me, bless me, touch me, touch me. Although I love the power of God. I love the anointing of God. I want him to fill people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Heal people. Deliver people. We need more demons cast out. Who wants to come up? Let's do it. We've seen it. You know, I want, ooh, I want that. All right. But if it's just a bless me club, it's not the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what the Lord was laying on my heart, and I'm like, God, I just, I just, want, to, I just want to love on the people this week, you know. But this is his heart. God is calling us in a renewed sense to be a servant church. A servant church. As the church plant director of the Assemblies of God for about four and a half years, we planted churches all over Georgia. And there's something characteristic about church plants, including Momentum Church, that they have a high percentage of volunteerism. Well, part of that is when you're starting out, if everybody doesn't do something, it just doesn't get done, you know? But part of it is, as a people mature, we're 18 years old. Actually, we moved here 18 years ago. This January will be 18 years from our official launch of Momentum Church. Can you believe that? Man, we almost have an adult church, 18. But the thing is, as a church grows, and we see this all over the country, as it grows, next thing you know, that heart that aligns itself to God, that passion and that youthfulness of, of spirit, it's like, we gotta touch people. There's people lost and dying. There's people, there's marriages that need healed. There's kids that need ministered to. Oh, you have this passion. It starts to wane. You know? And next thing you know, it's not so much that. It's, we've got seven acres of land. we got a nice brick building. we got a nice playground. See? And we do have all that. But I don't want to miss the heart of God. Amen? I don't want to miss being that servant church. Let me define that for you. A community of people who respond radically to what God has done for them by doing for others. Ooh, just being like, like God, you've been so good to me, I can't help but pour out to others. You've poured in, I can't help but pour, everybody say, out. You know what it means to serve and how it's kind of reciprocal? You know, like, they, like think about it in the home, you know, I rub Amy's feet and she rubs my back right? I bring her water, and she brings me popcorn. I do the laundry, and she stops nagging me. <laughs> you, you know how that, how servanthood, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I rarely write a joke, but I wrote that one. That was funny. They're usually spontaneous, but so what does it mean to be a servant of God living in response to what he has done for us it means this if you've been lifted up you lift others up amen if you've been healed then get into intercession and pray for others get into being bold enough to lay hands on the sick to see them recover if you've been healed you heal according to his power that comes in and through you you've been saved then get involved in bringing that message of salvation you've been delivered Help others walk in deliverance, amen? I'm talking about a radical decision in our lives that says if it's going to be, it's up to me, man. It's, yeah, that's it. And I like to say it this way. God has done too much for me to do so little. Oh, y'all need to hear that again. God has done too much for you to do so little, amen? Can't say amen, say oh my, right? Yeah. 
And so we're going to live in such a way that recognizes and responds to God's goodness in our lives by bringing God's goodness to others. That's what it means to be a servant church. And Jesus, I'm in good company today because this is the kind of stuff Jesus did with his disciples, the kind of message he had for them, you know? Loves on them. Wants all the goodness of God's grace upon them. Wants favor upon them. But loves them too much to say anything other than what God's heart reflects. And so two disciples come to Jesus and they're asking him. And Jesus starts to set tone. They come and they ask Jesus that when we're in the kingdom of God, would you please reserve for us a place at the right hand of you and the left hand of you that we can sit there and rule with you? The, their names were John the, and James, the sons of Zebedee. And people would call them the sons of thunder. These were powerful men. But they, they wanted something from him. And I love this because it reflects to me. I don't have the scriptures up on the screen. I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. And then here in a minute, we're going to really dig into some word and break it down. But it, it sounds to me like what we often do when it comes to our faith. Because here's the question they actually ask. They start off with this. They don't start off telling them what they want. They start off with, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Modern Christianity, 2,000 years ago, right? It's like, oh my gosh, people are always the same right? I want what I want. Eve, apple, you know? Adam, whatever Eve says, that's continued. Whatever the wife, we'll just, you know, like it's not, we don't change. And so the nature of these disciples, they're coming to him, and we want you to do for us what we ask. And I love how Jesus is, because he'll always follow up with a question. Why? Because he's digging into the heart. He's digging into the heart, because what you ask is important, what you deem important is important. So he wants to get down into the motive, into the heart. And so Jesus, he says, what do you want me to do for you? He wants to hear it. And this is when they say, grant to us to sit at your right hand and to your left. And Jesus says, you don't know what you ask for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? In other words, are you willing to walk in the suffering I'm about to walk in? He says, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? No, they weren't. That was a baptism of crucifixion that put him in a grave where, yes, a resurrection three days later, he come up anew, but it was still a baptism of, of crucifixion. And he's looking at these guys. You want to lead, but you don't want to serve. And so Jesus calls them to himself. He goes, you know, consider about, consider this. He says, the Gentiles, they lord over everybody, you know. And he's speaking at that time of the Roman authority in that area. They rule over. But he's like, with my disciples, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's going to be with us. Don't let it be among you this. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave. Now watch 45. Don't you want to be in good company, in the company of the heart of God? God loved his son, Jesus. Jesus followed the heart of God. Watch. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. And so Jesus models it. He practiced what he preached. He didn't come to serve, but to be to be served, but to serve. And he's modeling this. And so we want to be a servant people. I want Momentum Church to get that passion back. You know, Lord, whatever it is that you need, I'm about it. You know, whatever you desire, I'm about it. You know, 
And so a servant people, a community of people who respond radically to what God has done for them by doing for others. And you can see all through Jesus' ministry, people coming and asking questions and him turning this thing to find out the motive of their heart and then bringing it to the heart of God, all right? And that's all I want today. I just want to bring the motives of our heart to the heart of God because when we respond to his heart, he pours out his anointing in that place. He pours out his anointing in that life, amen? And nothing will ever be the same. And so we can see another story the disciples were going, and a man that was a lawyer shows up. Jesus is preaching. This lawyer comes and starts talking to Jesus. And in Luke 10, we'll put this on the screen. I'm going to read this passage through just to honor his word. Let's, let's stand to our feet. We're just going to stand for a moment. And I'll come back and break this down. I'll try not to preach too much as I read it, because I know you're standing. It says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, put Jesus to the test. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. And I love this because he desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In other words, I'm really good about loving God with everything. You know, you know I, I can look good in church. I can say the right things, wear the right things, get, do the right dance. I can, I, you know, I can do all, I'm good. But this whole neighbor thing, I'm not so sure about, you know, who's, I want an out here. Who's my neighbor? Like, where are the level of my service? Where is this supposed to end? And Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. In other words, just like you, just like I. Remember back where you were, when, when you were walking to a place of destruction in your life, Jesus came to find you. Jerusalem is the place of peace. Jericho is a symbol of destruction. Remember the walls of Jericho coming down? So this man is on his way to this place of destruction, and he falls amongst robbers who strip him and beat him and depart, leaving him half dead. Remember before salvation, you were half living. You weren't fully living. You thought you were, but at night with the head on the pillow, you would be reminded of how half dead you really are. You know? The next day you try to fill up that other half that's dead with life. This man's half dead, just like us before salvation. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, these are people from the church. We'll talk about this in a little bit, from the temple. When he came to the place, he saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them. That's about two days' worth of, of finances if I remember right, and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay when you, I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. If I had a title this sermon today, it would be this, all right? And we're about more than halfway through the sermon. So you're like, man, it's late in the sermon to have a title. It's this, too blessed not to bless. We're, go ahead and have your seat. We're just too blessed not to bless. And 
To be honest, man, I wanted to come up in here and preach that like old school Pentecost. Too blessed ha, to not bless. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know what I mean? It just has that kind of a old school Pentecostal kind of a, a, a everybody say too blessed. too blessed not to bless. Now say it like too blessed, too blessed. not to bless. Yeah, Lord. That's good stuff right there. But. <laughs> I did that for myself. I'm kind of sleepy up here. I had to wake up a little bit. (laughs) So listen, as we're breaking this passage down, think about what Jesus has done for you. All right, we're too blessed. Everything about this passage, Jesus is the good Samaritan, and we are that one that needed his touch on that path to destruction, broken, busted, and disgusted there on the path, the way to Jericho. That's, you know what I mean? We can see this in two ways. We, We are like the one that needed Jesus, and then later on, we'll see here that we are the ones who go to, the, to the, the one that needs Jesus, right? And so let's get to verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Ah, oh, I love that. He came to where he was. You know, Jesus came to you guys. Alan, Jesus came to where you were. Some of you tried to hide, you know? And you thought you could hide amongst this and amongst that, but he came to where you were. Aren't you glad? And when he came to where you were, he came with compassion. This word compassion in the Greek is twofold. It's not just that feeling of sympathy, like my heart is full of sorrow for you. I feel broken for you. No, no, it's not a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another's suffering or misfortune. All right, that's part of it. All right, but that can be kind of like, um, your heart's kind of like, sucks to be you. Well, how far does that go? How compassionate is that? My heart's heavy. No, no, no. The second part of this Greek word that speaks of compassion is a desire to alleviate pain or remove its cause. So I'm sensing something and I feel that pain, but I'm also doing something about it. Does that make sense? It's not like, like oh, you know, somebody really should do more for, uh, you know, let's say, somebody should do more for the kids' ministry, should be helping more in there. It's not like, oh, no, it's like, no, I'm doing something about it. You know, somebody, somebody should do more about, about ministering to young couples that need mentored. Do something about it. Talk to Pastor Amy. She'll, get, she'll let you help you. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's feeling something and then making action that's corresponding to that feeling as you partner with the heart of God goes on, Luke 10, 34. He went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured in oil and wine. Man, it doesn't take too much to extrapolate from that. The oil, the Holy Spirit, the wine, the blood of Jesus. Man, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus forgave you, came and washed you, made you whiter than snow. Holy Spirit filled you and refills and refills and refills, amen? And, And oh my goodness, that's the blessing that we walk in. As Jesus comes with compassion to minister to us. Says, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He set him on his own animal. This man could not walk to the inn by himself. So in other words, setting him upon his own animal. When you could not help yourself, he helped you. Isn't that good? Some of you were there. Some of you have forgotten what that was like spiritually. It's been too long, you know. He takes that man, puts him on that, that animal, and brings him to the inn. As I, I'm talking about this, where do you think the inn is spiritually today? You guys ready for this? This is what the Lord laid in my heart. 
An inn is a place of safety and covering. Temporarily, right? Y'all are sitting in an inn right now. You're sitting in the church of Jesus Christ. This building. This is an inn. God brings people all the time. Travis, my buddy, Jesus brought you to us. <laughs> all them years ago. Amen? Broken on that road. Some by your own mistakes. Some by the mistakes of others. Some of that was an uphill, um, uh, like uh, quick victories, and then some slow victories, and some really slow victories. And then some great victories. I'm so freaking proud of you. God brought you to an inn, a place where we get to be a covering, a place of safety, temporarily, because we're not staying here forever, amen? That's what this is. This is an inn. We have an opportunity as we're here in this building to look at this like an inn that people on the road to Jericho getting beat up, that God brings them to us. And we have an opportunity to pour in the oil and the wine, amen? We have an opportunity to minister healing and help and wholeness because this is an inn. It says here that he is going to give the man some money and he gives them to the innkeeper, the money to the innkeeper. Guess who are the innkeepers? I'd like to say me as a pastor, but it's not. It's all of us. How many ministers are at Momentum Church? There'll be probably 330, 350 people, ministers at Momentum Church today, amen? Every one of you is a minister. Every one of you is an innkeeper. Every one of you has a responsibility. As Jesus, that Samaritan, if you will, brings him to the inn, you have a responsibility to pour in oil, pour in wine. You have a responsibility to provide, responsibility to be an innkeeper, taking care until when? He says, I'll repay you when I come back, until he comes back. And guess what? Jesus, we learned last Sunday, he is coming back. Amen? And so, <clears throat> You see all that Jesus has done for you in that story. And I just want to say it again. You are too blessed not to bless. And what a servant church is, it's a church that moves in the spirit of the ultimate good Samaritan, Jesus Christ. And we can see an antithesis of this in this passage of scripture. You, you see the priest comes and goes by on the other side. The Levite comes and goes by on the other side. And those were people obviously attached to the temple. The priest was a leader. The Levites were temple workers. These aren't bad people. These are occupied people. These aren't bad people. These are people with adverse agendas. Now, part of it was the Samaritan that, that, that came. There was always a difference between the Samaritans and the Jews in the sense that there was a lot of animosity. It stems way back to when the northern tribes were being attacked by Assyria and assimilation takes place of the northern tribes into Assyria. And that becomes, the, 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 becomes Samaritans eventually, the Samaritans. And so they had a religion much like Judaism, all right, but not quite. And so it was a bastardized religion is how the Jews would seen it at the time. They were a, a mixed people as far as their person and their faith. And so a lot of tension there that we can see. And so now you have this Samaritan we see comes who should have all this tension with this person that's broken because it has been built in them all these years. And they're the ones that help. But the fellow person that comes, the fellow Jewish priest, Jewish Levite, seeing that Jewish person coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, they walk on. And I really think that it is, I don't think they were evil. I think they were, they were church-minded, okay? Maybe not spiritual, but they were temple-minded. 
Uh, you know, the, the, the priest may have had other things to do. I have other things I got to put my hands to today, other important things that I need to carry out today. And so I'm too busy with other things to take time with this, possibly. And I bet those other things on the agenda were really important things. But he could not manage that moment, and he walked on the other side. The Levite, it's like that church person who sees a need but will say, well, that's not my responsibility, you know. The Levite got to thinking about it this way, too. If the Levite or the priest were to have touched this man, they would become unclean in that moment. They would have to go take time before they could go back and enjoy the temple experience. They would have to take time to be cleansed. And so in other words, I'm not going to allow this to affect my worship experience. I'm not going to let this affect my church experience. I'm going to the church, get what I desire, what I want. I'm not going to let this affect my experience. There's people, listen, there are people coming in this place Sunday after Sunday from this age all the way up that need us to be a servant-minded church. And for us to go, you know what, like a Levite, man, I, I said, that, that'll affect my worship. That'll affect my time. That'll affect what I get to receive at temple. Yes, it will, but it also will attract the anointing of God on your life and the anointing of God on this house. Amen? Hmm. And I love this. It says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. A certain Samaritan. It means a specific Samaritan. Anytime you see the word certain, it means that this isn't a parable. This actually happened. That usually when you see the word certain, a certain man. And I like to think of it as it's a specific man. It's a man that God knows his name. I know God knows all our names, you know. But I'm just saying, that, that like, like, that's my man. That's a certain man. I, I just want in the economy of God for him to say, that's a certain pastor. That's a certain church member. That's a certain, you know what I'm saying? Like, like God's like, I can count on that one. That one's certain. That one's, that one's not wishy-washy. That one's not flaky, amen? That one's certain. And a certain man, a certain Samaritan, he came. He had compassion. And he showed mercy. And I love this because to the question, who's my neighbor? In other words, what's the responsibility? Is that question, what's my responsibility? Jesus looks and just says, the one who showed mercy is the neighbor. And Jesus says, you go and do likewise. That's it. It's the heart of God. Y'all, we've been too blessed not to bless. Amen? And as a church, this summer, we've been too blessed. And so if you're a guest with us, you have to listen. This is just being pastoral today. That's okay, okay? We're just setting things up as a church to be able to serve the heart of God and the heart of the people God's bringing to us well. And so this summer, we've been blessed. We've seen the increase of God. And, and it's been powerful. And the crazy thing, like I said, most of those people that have been coming have been families. And, and I, I want to give you kind of an illustration. I don't know how many young people, because our, our middle schoolers are all downstairs. But um, if you're, I'm just going to look. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Come up here. I need five young people. Who wants to come up here? Five young people. Five young people. Five young people. Look at that. They're all coming. Y'all coming. Greenlee, come up here. <clears throat> all right. You're coming back. Okay. So one, two, three, four. I can't count. One, two, three, four. That's five. All right. Go down, go down that way. That's all right. Go down that way. Y'all, are you afraid of him? Get over there. 
You're afraid. You should be. You should be. This is a smart boy. No. All right. Come on. You got to come over here. All right. That's five. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Can you walk on them up here? One. That's, that's five. All right. I'm going <laughs> to. And I'm bringing them up on, on, on purpose. And the reason why is because pre-COVID, we were running over 400 people and we were looking to build a 500-seat sanctuary. Y'all remember that? Well, when COVID hits and you go down to 200 people, it's kind of silly to buy a build a 500-seat sanctuary. We're smart like that, right? So as a board and as a church, we decided that rather than taking the money we had raised for those three years and using it to be able to get our loan to build the sanctuary, we would take those funds and put it into the current facility that we have to make it a place that can serve families better. And so we blew walls out upstairs and downstairs, making environments for middle school, making environments for kids' church. We made the campus first. We did those expansions because it allowed us to start serving families quickly at a better level. Then we just begin to remodel everything, get the place nice. Will the sanctuary come someday? Yeah, probably. All right. Sanctuary is not God. Amen. But serving families is important. And so here's the thing I want to tell you guys. Oh my word, your sowing has reaped a harvest of families. I, I can't remember if I said in this service or the last service. I might have said in the, I know I said in the last. I may have said this already. That happens sometimes when you have two services. Um, we had our dinner at our house for guests. 26 invites went out, 26 families. I mean, that blows my mind. And all but three of those had children. And now that I'm saying all that, I think I said that already. <laughs> Because I felt like the third time I said that today. Because it was. Shut up. So, oh my gosh. So, these kids are important. I know these are older kids. But these kids, from little ones up to teenagers, are important to us. Do you realize that scripture, and I'm going to share something I shared about a month and a half ago that's similar. Just because, you know, in June the attendance is lower. And I just, this is too important for us to miss as a body. That, that in Mark 9, 37, it says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Isn't that cool? I mean, like, in other words, when you welcome kids and teenagers, you're welcoming Jesus. Like, Jesus loves, suffer the little children, let them come unto me. Jesus loves a place that loves children. Jesus loves a place that is sowing into children. Amen? Oh, that welcomes his heart. Having that servant-mindedness. Maybe before these kids all have the stuff that many of us struggle with in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, and so on, right? God getting a hold of them and giving them a better life even before. And so kids and youth ministry momentum is all about helping kids mature in their relationship with God at every stage of their development. And it's important. 85% of believers that are adults will say they came to faith in Jesus from 12 years old or earlier. So it's important right? Here's the problem, though. We have a world right now that is increasingly dropping its biblical worldview. Pre-COVID, it was literally 6% of Americans had a biblical worldview. Oh, Russ, I know lots of Christians. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying a biblical worldview. Like, they see the word of God for the word of God, what it is, amen? They see the deity of Christ. They see the virgin birth. They see the sanctity of marriage, Amen? They see the word for what the word says. Only 6% pre-COVID, it went down 33% in three years. 
Post-COVID now, it's literally 4% of Americans would have a biblical worldview. What does that mean for us? It means that we have a generation that is on the brink of spiritual extinction. A generation that literally has been beaten by society, by, by the paradigms of the earth, that has been beaten on the way from Jerusalem, a place that was peaceful. There was a time in our world, in our country, where we held on to the peace that comes from holding on to Jesus and his word. But our kids are on their way to Jericho, a place of destruction, and they're getting beat to pieces on the way. How bad are they getting beat? Can I, can I, can I, can I tell you how bad? I'm beating you. You're, you're laid down there. Just lay down. You're going to be. You're going to go down here too, really. And we need you. <laughs> See, I didn't do that to them. This is how bad. This is how bad. 19 years old. They're saying that now the average is only 40% of the kids in church today, when they're 19, will be in church. Y'all, this hits close to home. Y'all know. I, I have a couple that are running right now. My oldest is Pastor Adelie, our children's pastor. For years, she's run that ministry. But I have a couple running right now. This is hers. This is real. This is 40%. That has, that, this is 40% right here. Two out of five that are still in church. These guys here... Do we care enough about them? Or, or do we see them on the road and like a Levite, oh man, I, I got to get to my worship experience. Like I get my church on. All right, you went to church four Sundays this month, every single week. You still live like hell. Amy's looking at me like, you said that. I said that. <laughs> First, number one, stop living like hell. Number two, realize Church is not just about you. Coming to the house isn't just about you. Don't be the Levite. Don't be the priest that well, this is oh, kids ministry and this and that. That's a little bit below me. I have other things. I have higher agenda type items. And there is no greater agenda on the agenda of Momentum Church than what we're going to do in the lives of next generation, of the next generation of kids and adults. We can't walk by them, Right? We've been too blessed to not bless. I'll let you guys stand up. Can you thank them? Amen. We love you guys. Most of these guys helped serve this week too at VBS, so thank you so much. <laughs> Nothing that momentum does will matter more for our future than what we are presently doing for kids and teenagers. And, and we have needs of ministry, but, but I want you to get a picture. What's going on right now at momentum is that we're seeing increase. All right? The Lord gave me this years ago. And at that time, it was more about money, okay? We saw increase in our church, but as the numbers increased, our giving, because these were new people coming to faith, it was slow. Our giving didn't increase at that same level. But after a few years, responsibility needs to set in, and we need to step up, and we have, and we continue to step up in our giving. And what the Lord is laying on my heart is we're seeing it again. We're seeing increase but our level of volunteerism isn't where it used to be in percentage-wise. Here's the problem with that. I call this, I used to call it a, genera a, 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 a <clears throat> generosity gap, but I see it as a, a, a volunteer serving gap, okay? And gaps, guess what? God loves to bridge gaps. And so his grace bridges this gap for a season. 
This is why you see the anointing of God come upon a church. You see increase and increase, and then it starts to wane because that's what bell curves do. And there's no more commitment to go up to the next thing that God asks. And so it starts to wane. And guess what? God goes, there's a young church planter down the street that those people are fired up about God. No, well, it's just a new church, and then everybody started the new church. No, it's not always that. Sometimes. But sometimes it's just a bunch of people that are just fired up about God, and they're coming to faith like Travis, new to the Lord. Whatever you can use me, God, use me. And next thing you know, that church just starts to grow, which is awesome. We need hundreds of those in this city. Amen? I will celebrate every one of those. Amen? But the churches like ours, like if we're not careful, as that starts to, that gap, after a while, God's like, will you be responsible? And if we don't walk in responsibility, I'm not saying we're not going to heaven, but he'll look for a house to take care of those babies. He'll look for a house that'll take care of those teens, amen? He'll look for a house that'll pour into young married couples. He'll look for a house that'll pour into senior saints, amen? I love that God is making us a multi-generational church, Amen? I love that. I just want to be that house that we rise up and serve what God, what's at the heart of God. And here's what's going on. We have a need. We have a huge need between birth and high school, all right? And what's crazy is we don't have, this is a good problem, amen? This is called a blessing of increase. Let me call it a problem of increase, because when increase comes, capacity has to increase, right? And so the last couple of months, there is so many kids coming to Momentum, and we do everything with excellence, always two up leadership and always quality. The problem with that is we actually have had to close down two kids' classrooms. Not because there's not enough kids. We're putting them into another room so that teachers can be two up and watch those kids and pour into those kids. Does that make sense? So we got two empty spaces that we all invested money in to remodel so kids and families would come. Guess what? Kids and families are coming. It's a problem of our own making. Praise the Lord. So I'm not scolding you. I'm saying exactly what we've prayed for is happening. Now will we be responsible? And match the growth that God's bringing and match his heart for years to come and see what God's going to do in and through us to help people on that journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and back, you know, that place of their brokenness. And so in August, here's the thing. We usually will have anywhere from 50 to 70, 75 more people in average attendance in August than the, than the I don't know where they're going to go in some ways, especially with kids ministry. No, I do. And here's fine, but kids ministry, we need kids ministers. Now, I preached about this a little bit about a month and a half ago, and a lot of people are getting on board, and it's taking time. If you know and you're a guest, you don't know, it takes six months. You can't just become in kids ministry overnight here, okay? And so um, it's about six months of, of just being a part of the body because we want safety for our children, and obviously background checks and all that kind of stuff takes place. And so um, all I'm saying is we want your heart to begin to lean toward serving. And I have kind of an unusual altar call today. And so Pastor Stephanie's gonna help me with this because we're too blessed not to bless, amen? And so Pastor Ross, what's your altar call? I wanna see us make a difference with this gap when it comes to kids. And please know, the whole idea of being a servant church relates to everything. Yesterday, the men were servants to Chaz. Chaz has needed us to help him move. And man, I don't know how many people were there. It ha that move took... I mean, 8.30 to 11, we were done. I, I was blown away, you know? 
And guess where I was yesterday? I was there. You know, I'm the pastor, but I, I love serving too. And times like that, it's like I get to just get my hands in there and serve. Not just, you know, not because y'all pay me. Amen? I appreciate you pay me. But sometimes it just is a joy to serve. You know what I mean? Like just, just do whatever it takes. And, and so what this is, is these are the actual needs in our kids' ministry right now. Isn't that awesome? This is not a picture of lack. This is a picture of increase. That, this, isn't, this isn't maybe if we have these classes filled, we'll get more kids. No, this is the classes are filled. We need these teachers. We need these people to serve at least one or two times a month. But, 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 but Pastor Ross, you know, I already have children, and I, with kids, I don't want... Amy, Amy had five. She, <laughs> and, yeah, the last few years she's been on staff, but for the majority of her time here, she's been on the team but as a volunteer. But, uh, man, help with kids all the time, you know? And, um, and then she was my children's pastor for a while. That was awesome. Now she's our family life pastor. Man, she pours in. I love it. All I'm getting at is, yeah, I know you got kids, but I'm just saying, people are pouring into your kids. Maybe once a month, pour into some others. Come on, somebody, you know? And so rarely do I come and jump on you guys like this, but God love me. <laughs> it's important, you know? Why? Because I want to see us rise up in that responsibility and just see what God's going to do. Just see the anointing that he's going to bring to touch lives, families, and to see his hand upon this place. So what we're going to do, I'm going to invite Pastor Brantley to come up here. And, um, and so as he comes up, he's going to close in prayer. But Pastor Stephanie is going to be up here. And his service is over. The altar call is this. Come up and look at these. You know, grab one. Take it with you. It may not be the actual one that you end up being a part of, but take it as a point of contact, you know, and begin to take the process to step forward. We've got a few weeks. Many of you have been here a long time. You've been here long enough that you could start serving. That's what we need. I didn't think to say that in the first service. We need people that's been here for six months that don't have too bad of felonies. <laughs> Depends on what the felony's in. I'm <laughs> being honest. Um, <laughs> but we need people who've been here for a while to say, I'll step up. And maybe it would be one of those things, Pastor. You know, I'll step up. I don't know if this is what I'm called to forever, but I know right now there's a need bad. And we need these places. We need to be serving these families coming in August well. And so I will step up because I've been here that long and they can take care of getting that and making that possible. All right? I love you guys. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless my friends. Lord, it is a privilege all these 18 years to serve this body. And Lord God, I just, I feel like we haven't even arrived yet. We got so much more to do for your kingdom. You've done so much for us. And just help us. Um, Help us follow your leadership well, Jesus, to listen to your heart and to respond to your heart and to be a servant church in so many areas of need, God, that we would respond to you, that, that amazing suffering servant, and that we would honor you by serving as well and see the anointing of God bless us and bless through us many. In Jesus' name, everybody give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www. Momentumchurch.tv